1: Right now you can save $50 on Select Battery Tool Sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on Select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
2: I'm Katia Adler, host of the Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
3: what up it's the crossover pod friday edition i'm howard beck senior writer for sports illustrated we just had one of the most cherished sacred days on the entire nba calendar i'm talking of course about the release of the nba calendar the schedule it's out. Maybe you heard, uh, which means NBA grievance Twitter, NBA conspiracy theory Twitter, and all the other weird subsets of NBA Twitter got to kick into high gear about which teams got snubbed and who got disrespected and the secret hidden meanings behind who's playing on Christmas, all that fun stuff. And of course, on this podcast, that means another sacred tradition, the return Of the schedule czars, Evan Wash and Tom Corelli of the NBA are back, and this year joined by a third czar, Gene Lee. Yeah, I know, three czars. It's probably violating some rules of how czarship works. I don't know. Political historians, you can reach out, straighten me out. Uh, On this podcast, I give out the titles. We're doing co-czars. Three czars. They will, uh, of course, explain how they construct the schedule, how they decide who plays on Christmas and opening night and other tent days, and how the Kevin Durant saga impacted the entire schedule-making process this year. Spoiler alert, it absolutely did. Uh, these guys also will explain how they streamlined the schedule once again, every year nipping and tucking a little bit more, making it less onerous on teams. This time they reduced travel by an average of 2,000 miles per team, which is incredible. Some other new wrinkles, which I think you will find interesting as well before we get to all that a programming note i'm off the next couple weeks but i will be back in early september maybe by that time kevin durant and kyrie irving and russell westbrook and all these guys will have been traded who knows uh in the meantime please rate review subscribe to the crossover wherever you get your podcasts and hit me with all your feedback on twitter at howard beck okay my conversation with the schedule Zars is coming up next so stick around This This, is The
1: Crossover, an NBA show hosted by Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix and
3: Howard Back. It's a whole new level for you and me, Chris, this relationship.
1: Like and subscribe for the best weekly NBA content these two are capable of. What does
4: that mean? Could be the best duo ever. I don't see how you can beat that.
3: Here they are Chris Mannix and Howard Back. Now, pleased to be joined by not two, but for the first time ever, three scheduling czars. This schedule is such a massive undertaking, they keep adding czars. Uh, I don't know how many czars you can technically have. I'm not uh, familiar with that entire uh, concept. There's probably supposed to only be one czar. You're all czars to me. Uh, Joining me from, uh, let's just say, left to right around the room on a podcast that people can't see, Gene Lee. Gene Lee. Evan Wash, Tom Corelli, folks who have been listening to this version of the pod or the scheduling pod for years will know the voices of Tom and Evan. Welcome, Gene. Welcome to the party. Thank um, you, Appreciate you being here. Um, I have realized over time, as a podcast listener also, that uh, when I listen to pods with multiple people, multiple voices, I get frustrated if I don't know who they are and I can't tell whose voice is who. So this time, especially with three of you all, um, I'm going to actually have you introduce yourself with your complicated NBA title uh, attached and and just kind of what you do. So I'll start, Gene, with you, then we'll go to to Evan and Tom, and then the listeners can know who is who.
4: Yeah, sounds great. Um, I mean, just, you know, first of all, you know, just uh, thanks for having me. You know, this is great. You know, it's an honor to be on this podcast with you guys. Obviously, you know, I've listened to the past few that you guys did. So Appreciate it. Um, I'm Gene Lee, a senior director of broadcast scheduling. Um, I manage the national TV schedules for the NBA and our affiliate leagues, um, and I'm, you know, uh, the network lead uh, with our uh, national TV broadcast partners as well.
5: Got it.
3: Evan?
4: I will keep this simple for you, Howard. I'm Evan Wash, and I head
5: basketball strategy for the league.
6: Thanks for having us again, Howard. It's nice to have us all in the same room.
3: Uh, Unprecedented, by the way, realizing that in all the years that the the three of us have been doing this, uh, Evan and Tom with, with me, one of you has always been remote somewhere because vacations closely follow the completion of the schedule so one of you all has always, always been gone and we've had to do zooms and conference calls and evan claims we once had you on a video screen somewhere i don't think that actually happened i think uh he just dreamed that but uh tom go ahead great to
6: be great to be here together and doing this again howard thanks for having us uh tom corelli senior vice president game scheduling
3: all right so you guys also have an entire team behind the scenes um I believe that it includes various Excel spreadsheets and abacuses and possibly hamsters on wheels. I'm not sure. But to produce this thing takes a, a massive amount of hours and people. Um, and the fun thing is that, the, that over the years, and we have talked about this before, the fans really get up for this now. And people in my business do as well. And so much so that people are trying very hard, tripping over themselves to break midseason games days ahead of time. I trust they all got it correct.
5: I've not seen any incorrect leaks. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Um, So, um, and that's good to hear. Um, But it is, like the interest is always intense, which is why this pod, this uh, annual tradition has been so popular with the listeners. So um, appreciate that. Let me start with this. There is a perception, uh, I may be guilty of this perception, that the release of the schedule this year on August 17th is later than usual. And the second piece of that speculation, and any of you can volunteer to answer this one, was that maybe it's later than usual because there's so much up in the air across the league, right? Your whole goal is to program the games that feature the biggest stars and the biggest teams the most amount of times on national TV. So with a bunch of all-stars up in the air with their futures, maybe that held things up. Any truth to any of that?
5: A little bit. I would say, first of all, we're not significantly later. I mean, last year was, was I believe, an August 20th release. Of course, last season ended later than, than a normal season. Uh, we've typically been in that August 10th to 14th range. So um, with a planned release on August 17th this year, we're, we are just a few days later. Um, the uncertainty around player movement teams was, was one piece of it. You know, we're also... The, the complexity of the schedule continues to increase every year. The number of things that we're focused on, the needs of our teams uh, to have advanced look at the schedule, prepare their systems for you know, on-sale dates and things is all part of it. So it's a, it was an, an aggregated decision to be just a few days later than normal. But, but certainly um, that also helped you know, kind of plan through some of the uncertainty we were facing this year.
3: Yeah. So uh, you can't say the names necessarily, but I will. But there's some combination of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Russell Westbrook, Donovan Mitchell, and who knows how many others does at least somewhat factor into this, right? Like maybe you're hoping that something – like are you, are you sitting in that room, all oh, these many rooms with the Excel spreadsheets and the hamsters on wheels and the abacuses abacai? Um, are you sitting there hoping, you know what, one of these rumored trades just needs to happen so we know for sure – that we can plan on this team being on the tent pole days and this team not?
4: Well, we just know that we can't guarantee that those trades will happen before we have to release the schedule, right? So then basically, we had to get everyone internally and at our broadcast partners to be aligned in knowing that we just don't know, right? And so we sort of have to weigh through the uncertainty and sort of, you know, do our best to project for, you know, who's going to be on which teams, but also just try to, you know, um, probably... You know, just try to reduce the risk of you know having certain teams on certain temples, certain teams off certain temples, Um, and you know it's something where um, we probably haven't had this level of uncertainty in terms of starting from the startup for agency through the schedule release. Um, But you know we're able to sort of get everyone on one page, Um, and so that process kind of took a little bit. But I think everyone's sort of now more comfortable with just actually just not knowing. But still trying to put our best foot, uh, foot forward.
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, especially for Evan and Tom, you guys have been doing this for a very long time. Um, it's not that there's never been a late August trade or maybe even a September trade. I can't think of one offhand. I, I, like Dwight Howard, I remember years ago, was traded to the Lakers in, I think, mid to late August because I was just at the end of my vacation. Um, and... So it happens. That uncertainty is, is baked into the league that, that, that you guys work in. But it is, I think, unusual, at least in my recollection, 25 years covering the league, to have this many players of this significance feeling like they're in play at this late stage, which for us just means it's a story we got to monitor in the media, and for you means it actually does kind of mess with your plans, right?
5: Yeah, I was sharing with our team last week one of my favorite NBA Conspiracy Stories was the year Carmelo Anthony got traded from the Knicks to the Thunder, which happened after the schedule release. Well, that was September, actually, right? I, I believe so. Yeah. And, and we had scheduled the opening TNT Thursday, Oklahoma City at New York. And so then of course all the conspiracy theorists said, Well the, the NBA knew because they scheduled Carmelo's return game for opening Thursday, which of course was just purely a coincidence. Um but, but yeah, as Jane said, you just you just try to do the best with the information. you obviously can't hold a schedule release until September, or October, teams need to prepare for their seasons, um, players, staff, et cetera. And so you just try to do the best with the information that you have available when you need to publish a schedule.
3: So there it is, basketball reference. September 25th, 2017 is when Carmelo was traded. So that's really late um, for a guy of, of that magnitude. Um, all right, so let's stay on that this topic for a moment. The Brooklyn Nets, not on Christmas. And as as we speak, as we record, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, probably the only... I would say the only legitimate big three in the NBA. Uh, Laker fans might disagree. Um, I would say ordinarily they would maybe be a no-brainer for Christmas, but I'm not the one who makes the schedule. Um, is, is is it any coincidence that the, the Nets, with three superstars, are not on Christmas, and it so happens that at least one or two of their players' futures are uncertain?
6: I mean, I, I think I think I'll take a broader look at this to begin with because this is an annual subject we have. Um, we only have 10 teams to put into the five games. Um, There's going to be some people, some teams who are upset. There are some teams who are upset. Why aren't we on? Um, I would put Brooklyn in that basket. I would put some other teams in that basket. Um, And I think what happens is if you take, if you put them in, you have to take someone out. And we think that we have five really good storyline games. Um, I think the sort of evidence of that is over the last few days, you've been seeing a lot of speculation and from rumor mills, et cetera. I have friends of mine calling me saying, you know, all I'm hearing about is the Christmas games, and this is in the midst of teams starting their NFL preseason. This is in the midst of teams in the middle of baseball pennant races, and fans are arguing about whether my team should be or why isn't my team playing on Christmas. So from that standpoint, it's like, great, because we're never going to be perfect. We're never going to be perfect. Uh, we're doing the best we can to get five great games on and consult with, as Gene had mentioned, with our TV partners to try and get the best matchups we can.
3: Yeah, and I don't think too many people would argue with the results most years of who is actually on Christmas. You, you look at it at a glance and you could say, okay, I can see the thinking behind all that, although put a pin in that, I'm going to come back to that one. Um, but sometimes there are some teams that seem like the quote-unquote obvious teams So let me ask it this way, and I I apologize in advance for for being annoying about this, but let's just say in a hypothetical uh, uh, parallel universe, because Hollywood loves multiverses right now, there's another universe where uh, a week ago, Kevin Durant posted an Instagram photo of him and Sean Marks and Steve Nash sitting around a table drinking some wine and saying, can't wait, looking forward to the coming season, fellas. In that multiverse, have you guys rewritten the schedule when the Nets are on Christmas?
4: I think that's a good question. I think it really depends on when and um, how certain we're sure that someone didn't hack into his, you know, his account. <laughs> um, you know, but I think, I mean, honestly, you know, like the best solution would really just for there to be two Christmases because then we can have 20 teams and 10 games, right? Then we can really cater you That's know, a cop-out mostly. answer, Gene. I'm throwing that one out. I'm sorry. I know it's your first time on the no, podcast. No, no. That
3: one's... No, like. um, no. No, but I
4: think, you know, you know like, like the state of the league is so good. We have so many good teams. Um, you know probably in the past it was basically you know who are these 10 teams that we can agree upon to be on christmas now there are just so many teams and so many different reasons for teams to be on or not on or different competitions or whatever you know it, it it it's so hard for us to really narrow down to this 10 right and so there's so many different factors um and you know for that team that you're mentioning uh specifically is to you know just mitigate the risk right um for right now that's what we're doing Right. Um, and, and so, you know, just based on every single thing that we're trying to incorporate, you know, on like arena availabilities, um, you know, teams travel, you know, um, before and after Christmas, their overall schedules, um, where else are we featuring these teams on various other temples, These things are all sort of part of the equation.
3: Sure. I mean, and, and, and all of that's obviously fair context. And, um, and I think people understand by now. Um, partially, I think, because of this podcast that we do uh, almost every year and and people just are are wise to this at this stage. I think fans get it. Like, the schedule is built to maximize interest and exposure. Teams with more stars are generally going to be on tentpole days and national games more often than teams without, and that's just kind of the way this goes. Nevertheless, it does result in this, you know, know, these debates every year about who got snubbed and all this other stuff. Um, And I'll just note, like, uh, to me that this is a definite reflection and tell me if i'm wrong but the nets had national had uh, 27 national games last season they're down to 13 again that feels like a hedge of you guys thinking well we we really don't know what this team will look like on opening night
5: well absolutely and and this is you know this is no different than when we've dealt as you mentioned with you know trade speculation trade demands in the past we've dealt with player injuries and uncertainty that certain stars were going to be back at certain points in the season so exactly as gene said we're, we're just trying to put our best foot forward mitigate the risk it would be a pretty bad outcome for us to put a team on national television 27 times and then find out that None of the interest in that team is there because their roster is entirely different than we expected it to be. So we, we have to, as I said, take the information around potential trades, potential signings, uh, potential injury, return from injury, and, and figure out what the right balance is for all of these teams. And no question that that factored into the Brooklyn discussions this year.
3: The good news is that no matter how things play out, there will be a conspiracy theory that can be created to superimpose itself on there. So if Durant gets traded, then it'll be, aha. The NBA knew. See, that's why they only had 13 national games weren't on Christmas. Evan Wash knew all along. He just refused to tell us. Um, all right, more Christmas. Because fans and media, I'll put ourselves in there too, we're, we're obsessed with the Christmas Day slate. Uh, and and it's, like, it's, it's somewhat understandable. It's an important day for the league, obviously, in terms of fan engagement and exposure. We call it the unofficial kickoff, kickoff of the season because for people who are more baseball and football engrossed, maybe they don't, don't start really paying attention till Christmas. Um, I know the league would probably disagree with that, but that's... Our
5: viewership numbers would disagree with that, too. Really?
3: Okay. Um, So uh, I'll I'll get to some of the games in a second, but it's it's funny. We get into this whole thing, and then uh, this is where NBA Grievance Twitter... Uh, as I call it comes into play of, of my team Got snubbed and all this I feel like To an extent the fans and maybe even some home Media gets a little bit more caught up In, in who got chosen and who didn't than The teams themselves but Tom you said something earlier that, that caught my attention which is just that It sounds like even the teams get Into this like are the teams as passionate about Wanting to be on because it does feel like a mixed bag Right the, it's an honor to be on Christmas It's a great uh, moment for your Franchise on the other hand You're spending Christmas at work you might even Be spending Christmas on the road and at work. So, are the teams as obsessed with this and as grieved about this, aggrieved about this, when they don't get chosen as the fan bases are?
6: I would say they're focused on it. I would say they notice. I would say that in many cases they view it as a stamp of approval, a stamp of acceptance, accreditation, um, whatever you want to call it, um, and somewhat of an honor. Yeah. And I think that I've been around long enough to know that. That's changed. It didn't always used to be that way. I think you know, a long time ago it was viewed more as a hardship to be playing on Christmas, as you said earlier, about being away from your family or working on Christmas. I think now it's if you're in that ten, you're viewed as, you know, a serious team, a team to be taken seriously.
4: So oh go ahead, Gene. Yeah, I'll just say, you know, that's really like the same for the players as well. You know, and so I think obviously John Draymond tweeting at each other to wanting to play on Christmas. That's not like a reason why we scheduled that game for Christmas, but it certainly is nice to see that our our players are engaged, that they want to play on these temples, you know, that they want to, you know, you know, face off. And so, you know, seeing them tweet, you know, before we, you know, had the schedule, and then you know, having that game leak out and for them to respond and say, hey, you know, you know, let's you know, let's play on this day. And so, you know, that that that's something that's you know very exciting to us, and you know, it's great to have. This uh, level of engagement, you know, with our teams and players,
3: and it does feel like it's changed, right? Like the fact that that players were on Twitter as games were leaking, kind of celebrating it, or if they didn't get chosen, saying "What the hell, NBA?" or you know, whatever, just tweeting out a, a string of emojis of of some sort that are you know, uh, broadcasting their displeasure. Like that's that is a change, um, and it's interesting um, because yeah, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago that people were probably even lobbying you guys to not be on Christmas, right? Like, are you are you now getting the reverse they're lobbying
5: to, to get on? I, I wouldn't say we get lobbying. As, as, as Tom said, there, there's a focus. I don't think, you know, teams who are left off and are at home maybe have that much of an issue. We, we certainly have heard from some teams over the years who are on road trips over Christmas but are themselves not playing on Christmas. So now they are neither getting the honor of playing on the holiday nor nor being at home. Um, so that that's a balance as well. You know, we, we try to balance Christmas and Thanksgiving so that teams aren't continually traveling over both holidays in multiple years. Um, we had a couple teams that played on the road for consecutive Christmases, and so we made a, a concerted effort to keep them at home this Christmas um, so that it wouldn't be a third straight Christmas on who, the road. Who was that? Uh, so, so both Dallas and Golden State had played the prior gotcha. two years on the road, and so they're well, both hosting but, Christmas But the Warriors
3: are season. also the beneficiary of the LeBron rule, right?
5: Correct. Am but I- but even, even had they not be not been, meaning had they lost the finals, we still would have aimed to keep them home Christmas because they had traveled the last two. Gotcha.
3: Yeah. And I call it the LeBron rule for listeners because uh, it was several years ago, maybe, what, eight, ten years ago? LeBron was in that string of, of making every finals and it was the champions shouldn't have to travel on Christmas and uh, the league in its wisdom agreed with that premise and so I think is it correct that no champion has had to travel on Christmas since
5: uh, yes I would say it, it's an unwritten rule and not one necessarily written in stone but we have tried to to honor it when we can
3: and the Celtics got the home game too this year so both finals teams have our uh, home on Christmas correct and LeBron <laughs> Is traveling, but LeBron, you're not the defending champion right now. So um, it is the LeBron rule, but it only applies if, uh, if you've got uh, the banner going up on opening night. At bed
1: 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
2: Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
7: It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kinda like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun
3: ever at chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. group void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions,
3: 18 plus. All right, so let's go through those games real quick. Bucks at Celtics. I'm going to go through this because there's a commonality here, and then one of these things is not like the others. Uh, Bucks at Celtics. All right, two definite contenders in the East. You got Giannis. You got Tatum, two superstars. All right, Suns at Nuggets. Both contenders in the West. You got Devin Booker. You got Jokic. Lakers at Mavericks. I would say not contenders, but you've got LeBron and you've got Luka. Grizzlies at Warriors. Both contenders in the West. A little bit of a bubbling rivalry there. You got John Morant. You got Steph Curry. And then there's 76ers at Knicks. Um... Sixers, plausible contender, two stars, Embiid and Harden. The Knicks, not so much. But this, this is great because it sets us up for another conspiracy theory. The NBA knows that the Knicks are getting a certain all-star who they are reportedly angling for. Um, or alternative possibility, this is a really huge <laughs> market in New York, and the Knicks have been a traditional Christmas uh, team, and they draw a lot because they're the Knicks. Um, any other theories or explanations you would like to put out there other than my conspiracy theory or my uh, simple play for mass market uh, with a lot of people in it?
4: Yeah, I think. Well, so I like that
3: Evan's got his head on his hand as I ask this.
4: <laughs> this is why <laughs> we're, we're just, all in the same room now. We're just, we're just tired from all the scheduling. We're doing. <laughs> yeah, right. that nothing to do with your question. Exactly. Um, you know, I mean, the Christmas schedule is obviously so important to us but it's also really, really important to our partner at ESPN ABC as well, right? And so, you know, the decision to schedule these 10 teams, you know, is really a collective effort that's, you know, done, you know, through many days and weeks. And so, you know, we have a very, very close-knit, you know, just a connection with our partners. You know, we want to take as much feedback as possible from all our, you know, internal stakeholders, you know, ESPN, you know, and ABC. And, you know, basically, they were a team that, you know, sort of all of the above, right? You know, we certainly have no idea whether you know that certain all-star will go there, but there is a there is a likelihood, you know, and and if that happens, you know, that's sort of also, you know, it's sort of like the opposite of, you know, I mean, just in terms of what we want to sort of encompass and all consider, right? So that 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 is a factor. Um, certainly, they have a really passionate fan base in you know the largest city in the country, um, and there is that tradition, you know. You know, I, I I think the status they've been on Christmas, like you know. Uh, you know, uh, fifty plus times, right? So, um, but you know, there's there's just so many considerations. Um, but in, you know, just incorporating all of them, that ended up being what we thought of a matchup that could be attractive. You know, to start the day, basically.
5: It happens to be the the most frequently played matchup uh, on Christmas in NBA history, I believe. Is uh, Philly at that. New York? Or, or Philly, Philly and New York correct. together. This, this Sixers at one this, place. Correct. The Sixers and not explain each other. I'd um, also, add, I mean, the, the NFL uh, continues to be a consideration for us on Christmas. So this year they have a, a three-game slate um, with uh, Green Bay at Miami. um Denver at the Rams and and Tampa Bay at Arizona and so among those six markets we actually have five of our top teams in the league in Miami and Denver and L A um, and and Phoenix and so trying to navigate that part of the schedule too and ideally not have a ton of overlap between uh, a Christmas game and a you know an NBA market at the same time as an NFL game on Christmas so like the, as Gene said it's just it's a bunch of considerations that have to mix and and match in that matrix.
3: Well, I mean, listen, as as, as we all digest, you know, the schedule and especially like Christmas, you immediately look to see who's there and you immediately think about who's not there, right? And so like if there was one you know snub for lack of a better term you would say well miami heat they were in the eastern conference finals they won the most games in the eastern conference last season they're not there and again i understand there's only five games only 10 teams i get all that um but that would be one that people would immediately flag and certainly i think heat fans would but it sounds like to the extent that, that there's an nfl consideration here did that factor into the heat not uh, being a, a choice
5: yeah, all, uh, not to be broken record, all, all of these things factored in, yeah, and I okay. I think we've certainly seen the Twitter chatter on at least eight teams being snubbed, right? <laughs> that Miami was snubbed, the Clippers were snubbed, Atlanta was snubbed, Minnesota was, like, we could go on and on about every team or fan base or player that, that felt snubbed, and it just comes back to all these things we've been talking about, but, but you know, certainly NFL tradition, matchups, travel, um, other, other tent poles, player movement, like, all of those things go into the, the soup.
3: How does the NBA feel? This is maybe more of an Adam Silver question, obviously, but uh, about the NFL kind of like you know, trying to uh, steal some of your thunder.
5: I think I think for us it's it's all about what what we can do given the environment we operate in, right? And so, um, as the NFL has has added a playoff game on MLK, a wild card game, right? We we sort of rethought how we approach that day from a Turner perspective. Christmas Day, our approach is different. But of course, we've looked to build our own temples. We have our plan plan tournament, which we introduced a few years ago. No secret that we're talking about an in season tournament, which would be a, another window. Um, where we could be the focus, we've launched a, a rivals week this year. You know, which which we could talk about on our television schedule in January. Um, just windows that will be hopefully more exclusively owned by the nba um but but obviously we try to you know work work around the competitive landscape that we find ourselves in
3: is there anything else that's come up in the last few years since we all started doing this that has really you know forced you guys to kind of reassess a little bit like what other factors like the nfl trying to move into some of your tentpole days is one one thing that but what else has happened aside from covid um that is, has made your, your process either more complicated or that you had to get a little more creative about. Um, we'll talk later about just, you know, the fact that you guys have obviously every year you're maximizing all the, or making it more efficient, streamlining, cutting down on travel, we'll get to that, cutting down on back-to-backs, all that. Um, so I know there's a lot of that stuff that was more of a, of a proactive approach, but in terms of having to react to changing circumstances, um, aside from the NFL, anything else that has thrown a curve at you?
5: No, nothing. Nothing,
3: nothing jumps in mind. No. All right. Um, that's good. You have enough to deal with as it is. <laughs> um, actually, let me back up to that too, because we've we've done this in the past. I've I've sometimes just started off with give me the basics, like how many people and how many hours and how many iterations. Um, do you have some sense of of what that was this year? Of just what it took to to get to the point where you could hit send or. Gene could hit send on that email because I get a lot of Gene emails. Um, whoever hit send on the schedule Sorry. email this year, um, I'll, uh,
5: I'll, let, I'll let Gene take this because he's he's sort of the, the most in the weeds from start to finish, so uh, he can he can take a run through of our process. Uh, well,
4: so so we start in the fall, right, and that's when we collect the arena dates. But I would say we really start scheduling in earnest uh, right around the end of finals, so we know who the champions are, uh, draft, um, and then the start of free agency, right. And so um, you know this year, like no different, you know we basically start. Uh, building our national TV schedules, you know, so that's first and foremost, right, because we really want to maximize, you know, the storylines, you know, the viewership projections, you know, just really just want to maximize our uh, schedules on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and also NBA TV. So um, that process takes us, you know, like a couple of weeks, Um, we get sign off um, from our uh, broadcast partners, obviously, there's a lot of, you know, like discussion and back and forth. Even before that you know just talking about you know like what are the matchups with the teams that we collectively want to see featured right so there's a so, so it 's a very close knit um, sort of uh, connection we have with the programming teams you know at ESPN tNT so um, we we basically finalized the the uh, TV schedule um, and then we build the rest of the schedule on top of that so that may be um, maybe not completely um, unique to our league you know but it's definitely something where you know we Absolutely prioritize, you know, those games um, while not trying to sacrifice, obviously, the overall game schedules for each team. So, um, you know, we do that, and then we enter those games in, into the optimizer. Um, you know, Pat Harrell, um, who's on Evans Group, you know, he's uh, sort of the lead on that. And, you know, basically we'll run run the optimizer and we'll, and we'll create the schedule um, Evan is the master of the game moves. You know, he he sees everything in like a 4D chess kind of way. Um, and then it's like ba- looking at the matrix. There's no fish flying by. And exactly, exactly. Um, you know, so but you know, basically this this whole process is a sprint, right? You know, just because um, our teams historically want the schedules to be released in um, you know in mid to late August, you know, so that they have at least have um, two months, you know, to sort of you know sell tickets and to plan for everything before the season starts. So between the start of free agency and mid-August, that's about five to six weeks. And so basically we're trying to cram all that stuff in. Um, you know, we've probably, I don't know, like created uh, you know, hundreds of um, you know, uh, like scenarios for Christmas, right? And getting virtual projections for all of those, right? And just really getting down to the weeds and trying to just see what's the best outcome that we can do. So things like that, we're always you know, really just trying to you know, try to do everything to the extent that we can possible. Um, and so, yeah, just trying to wrap that up. I mean, it's it's such a whirlwind that we oftentimes will talk about past past summers, and I'll completely have forgotten this like big thing that happened. You know, during the process, I'll, oh wow, you know, like I completely forgot just because it's you know there's so much crammed in this really short amount of, uh, a time period. So.
3: Yeah. And how many people does it take? Or and how much is, is, is the uh, is the software now kind of handling some of that?
4: Yeah. So um, so uh, Matt Barassi on my team, and then Tom, Evan. Pat Harrell and his team, Chris Bogosian from um, Basketball Ops. Um, we have uh Mike James and his folks on our team 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 business side. Uh, we have um we have John Burkowski and Michelle um, August uh who do our virtual projections. It's I mean that's that's not naming you know, there's, there's probably more people that are involved. I mean, I brought
5: in a few other folks from my team, uh, Sam Garofalo and and Becca Higgett, um, as I've found myself deeper and deeper in this and and wanting support. And so, um, just, just having more brains, more approaches, you know, more perspectives on this is, is super helpful. Um, and we think has, has been a large reason why we've been able to see the improvements that we've seen over the years.
3: It's a lot of people. Yeah, it's probably –
5: so we we have a lot of Zoom calls now throughout the the process, and I would say anywhere from 12 to 15 on a a given Zoom as we review uh, different schedules.
3: All right, so let's get back to the fun stuff. Opening night, um, you've got both finals teams playing, uh, Warriors hosting the Lakers, Celtics hosting the Sixers. Is, is it standard now at this stage that you're going to have both finals teams on opening night or at least the champion on opening? I mean, I guess opening night is almost a two-night event, right? Because sometimes you have, you have, you're rolling out over the course of the first yeah, two so, nights.
5: So we view opening week as, yeah. as a key temple. So we have four nights, uh, two on Turner, two on ESPN. Um, and it is absolutely standard that the champion hosts opening night for their ring ceremony, barring something unexpected like Arena is not available or they otherwise Don't want to have their ring ceremony that night uh, I wouldn't say it's standard for the uh, The, the runner up The finals you know, loser to, to host Opening night but it just so happened to be the case this year How do you decide who's going to play them I mean
3: Lakers at Warriors makes sense Because hey LeBron versus the Warriors is always fun And they're going to you know the Warriors are going to host Because it's the ring ceremony night um, Sixers Celtics okay regional rivalry I guess but like how much thought goes Into all right we want to have the Warriors And Celtics let's start there how much of a discussion about who's going to play them?
4: This is probably similar to Christmas, in which we just want to run out every single scenario. Um, and, you know, so all the factors that we, you know, had said before about Christmas, those same factors apply for opening night as well. And in terms of, you know, getting our broadcast partners aligned, just like we have a lot of discussions with ESPN about Christmas, we have a lot of discussion with TNT, you know, about opening night as well. So, um, you know... Like I would say, Boston was not necessarily a team that had to be on. So we're basically evaluating every possible co- combination of teams and matchups as long as Golden State was a hosting for the ring ceremony. Sure.
5: Well, I'll give you an interesting one that just may be interesting to the sort of nerdier folks of the what we call our matchup matrix. So within a conference, teams either play each other four times. Within division, you play everyone four times. The rest of the conference, you either play four times or three times. And that's a five-year rotation as to who you play for and who you play three. And so when you play someone three times, that means you're playing twice at one location and once in the other, of course. And so one example of that this year is the Milwaukee-Boston matchup, where they only play three times. And per that rotational matrix, the one matchup is in Boston. So those two teams will play twice in Milwaukee and once in Boston. We placed the Milwaukee-at-Boston matchup on Christmas, which meant we couldn't if boston was going to be hoping hosting opening night also play milwaukee at boston on opening night because that wasn't part of this year's 82 game matrix and so all of these pieces, all of these temples fit together as to where you can slot things, um, which team is hosting, who has the arena available, available, uh, and, and how you balance those matchups. So there's, we end up sort of running into sort of very, very nuanced considerations here as well. No, but that, that's really interesting. Um,
6: I think you also want to try and balance the travel for teams in opening week where you want to be able to have everybody have their home opener, I yeah. say, Sunday. right? So you don't want to have teams going on extended road trips where they're not going to be able to get there home opener in the first week
3: is that a requirement that everybody has to get their home opener sometime in the first five or six days is there a a thing there if
5: if the if the team has their arena available that week we almost exclusively will aim to get them a home opener that week we have had teams that for whatever reason had an event in their building the first week and didn't get theirs until maybe the following monday tuesday wednesday but uh, this year i believe every every team has a home opener by sunday um and yeah, and to take Tom's point on travel further, this this was part of our discussion set on Boston, because Boston is playing at Miami opening week on Friday on ESPN. You know, back to the Miami point, that's that's one of their tent pole windows where they're hosting a home game on ESPN opening week. So we looked at, well, we could do Boston Milwaukee opening night. That game would have to be in Milwaukee because the only Boston Milwaukee at Boston game is on Christmas. Now Boston will be opening their season with a game at Milwaukee at Miami and then back home and that didn't seem like a very reasonable travel pattern to start a season and so you start to cross off options as you go through this
3: gotcha uh, fun side note this is now going to give Boston fans all kinds of fodder for the leagues out to get us we have to go to Milwaukee twice they only to go to Boston once but, you know somewhere between conspiracy twitter and grievance twitter there's well the be net a lot net for them
5: is home opening night home Christmas so I, I, I think they should be pretty pleased with that
3: they should absolutely um National games. Uh, Warriors have 30, down from 33, I, th- I believe. What's the, what's the max? What's the most any team can play? And, and the Warriors, by the way, have the most national games at 30. Um, what is the max number if there is one? And what is the, what, do you know what the most ever is for a team?
4: There's no max, uh, you know, per se. Uh, you know, so I think, I guess, theoretically, all 82 could be national. Um, but, but, but I think probably the low 30 is, is the highest we've had. Everybody who's not a LeBron
3: fan will claim that he actually is on national TV 82 games a season <laughs> right, exactly. every year for 20 years.
4: Yeah, but I think that, yeah, so the low 30s is probably the highest that we've had, and that's sort of, you know, the highest that we have of these seasons.
3: Yeah, and the Warriors were at 33 last year. I mean, is that, do you think that's a high point recently? Is, it, is there, no, you probably, don't, probably. teams don't go beyond that very often, I would think. Um, Lakers are second with uh, 27 national games. Um, I'm wondering if that's the most ever for a team that missed the playoffs and won 33 games, but that's just being snarky. Um, Celtics at 25, Bucks and Sixers at 23 each, Sixers up from 16. So I don't know if that's a vote of confidence uh, for James Harden over Ben Simmons, who was AWOL at this point last year. it's great when I'm editorializing and fans can't see all this stuff with the expressions on the schedule of Czar's faces as I, as I uh, editorialize. Um, Suns 22, Mavs 21, Clippers 20, uh, Clippers 20 up from 14, uh, I assume in deference to Kawhi Leonard actually playing basketball again, which is a good thing. Um, like those all sound kind of right, right? Like at a glance, if I'm not a partisan for any of these teams, I'm looking at it and saying, like that—that that seems about right, given interest level, star level, projected success this season. Is it as simple as that?
6: I think one piece of it is we don't spend a lot of time looking at what their number of TV appearances were last year. We take we take we spend far more looking at what we think for this year um, in in a lot of cases. So. Yeah, there's a variance of team went up or down by a certain number. True, but I think it's more based on what we see and what we all project between us, basketball operations, our TV partners, as to what we expect from them for the coming season.
3: And the Lakers with LeBron are basically like bulletproof schedule or ratings-wise, right? Like Whatever anybody might say with more snark than I just did about what their success level was last season and what it might be this season and what we expect of them, which I'm not even sure what to expect, but – there, like, LeBron is, is is guaranteed ratings as long as he's healthy, right? So, like, it's always justified, no matter what his team's record was, to have twenty seven and up national games.
4: He's one of the two greatest players of all time, and you know, we're not sure how many years he has left. But Bill but Russell, and both. Kareem
3: Abdul Jabbar, fans are coming for
4: you, Gene. I'm just letting <laughs> my, you know now. My uh, personal opinion. Sorry, um, but <laughs> yeah, you know, but but yeah, you know, and, and so I think we want to continue highlighting his career, you know, as long as he you know plays. So
3: yeah. Now, as I say, all snark aside, I I think it's kind of a a, a no-brainer that most uh, reasonable fans would agree with. Um, This one was interesting. Pelicans, 11 national games up from six. And I would, at a glance, I think, you know, they're a team that's on the rise, made a great trade for C.J. McCollum, had a surge at the end of last season. And, oh, Zion Williamson, who was one of the hot commodities of of the league and one of the the bright young stars uh, before injuries got in the way and is now coming back. You'd think maybe there'd be a little bit more there. How do you guys judge a situation like that where obviously he like he very bankable star very uh must-see tv kind of guy but you obviously don't know what to expect as 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 most people don't after he's been out for a while
4: yeah so there's there's uncertainty right and so before we actually see Zion play again you know we're just not sure right you know obviously before he got hurt you know he was playing at you know an extremely high, high level and so we are hoping that's the case um, and the thing about these sort of numbers that, you know, you're, you're coding right now, those are sort of what we go out with when we release the schedule. Um, but that certainly won't be the final counts, you know, because we'll definitely do a lot of flex scheduling, you know, to sort of respond to the things that are happening, you know, like teams playing better or worse than we expected, you know, players that we thought may not be healthy that are healthy and vice versa. So, you know, yeah, so, you know, uh, some of those emails that you get from me, during the season, those are, you know, sort of like, oh, you know, we're, we're changing this window and that window. Yes. So, so so that's good that we do have sort of that fallback. You know, if um, a team, um, you know, whose performance is different from what we project in terms of their national TV appearances, that we can definitely adjust that during the season.
3: Yeah. Um, thank you for that explanation. I mean, it's, it's, de- it's definitely interesting, right? Because, like, I think like, that is another one of these places where um, our expectations as, as fans or media might be a little different than the practical Aspects that you guys have to deal with, and, and the un- the uncertainties. Um, just a couple other ones here. I'll, I'll hit real quick. So, uh, the, the the list of one national game teams. The 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 uh, most aggrieved uh, fan base is Detroit, Houston, Indiana. Oklahoma, Orlando, Sacramento, San Antonio, Utah all get one national game, I would say, uh, understandably, for all of those. And then some others that leapt out to me, uh, Portland with only three, with presumably a healthy Dame coming back. Uh, Washington to Cleveland, breakthrough season, but only five national games. Charlotte three, Atlanta eight. I can hear uh, those grievances coming through loud and clear on Twitter already. Um, any, any any thoughts on, on any of those? Is it just kind of... The obvious one: there's a limit of how many national games you can you can have, obviously. And two, some of these teams they are, I, you know, arguably in a little bit of an ambiguous space.
5: Yeah, I would say it's it's the former of that. It's the limit. And so, so you know, Gene will tell you like we we do this initial draft, and, and I'll I'll look at it as the outsider to the TV process, and I'll do exactly what you're doing and flag ten teams that I think deserve more appearances based on their performance expected performance this year the up and coming young stars etc you know, injured stars coming back and then we say okay great who are we taking from and I go oh that's that's the hard part right so like I am personally excited to watch almost every one of those teams that you listed there I don't know who I am not excited to watch that I would take from, unless you're going to say we democratize the whole thing and everyone plays on TV 12 times, which is, of course, not realistic for our business. So I think it's just a, a function of the, the limited inventory we have and the tough choices we have to make. But as Gene said, we have the ability to, to flex all these things. So if one of those teams with 20-plus appearances is struggling or has an injury or makes a trade and is all of a sudden less interesting, we can you know boost some other other teams' profiles. So uh, it's a, it's a tough process, and certainly some teams might feel aggrieved. But I think it the fact that there are those ag- agreements speak to how deep the league is right now and how many interesting storylines we have.
3: I think that's fair. I think that actually the league is really deep right now and really competitive. And, and uh, that's a good thing. Um, I guess this will be this, this whole problem will be resolved in the next national TV contract when Amazon prime and Apple TV and paramount all come in and, and uh, pay the league billions more to have more national games. And then you guys can give everybody more national games. Um, just a lot of smiling and nodding in the room, folks. Howard, all, um, all
5: games are national through League Pass. Uh, so <laughs> any, anyone, any fan anywhere done. in the world can watch any game they want through our League Pass platform, and I encourage, right. encourage uh, Except for
3: one. the blackout rules that you've conveniently left out,
5: but that's a whole other change no, 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 no. that I, we don't want to go Every fan everywhere can watch every game, either through their regional okay. sports network, a right. national network, or League yeah, Pass. Don't get me started on blackout rules. Um,
3: <laughs> there's a whole other level of, of uh, NBA
2: Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is! And you will not
0: believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
7: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
3: All right, last one, and then I'll get to some of the, just the highlights of, this, of the schedule that we haven't gotten to yet. But um, premise from a team exec I talked to recently is that there's sometimes some relief for a team that they don't have a ton of national games because the way this person put it, if you're one of the national TV darlings, you're going to have a lot of like Thursday-Friday back-to-backs, um, and then Friday night, Sunday afternoon pairings where you're traveling Friday night after the game, you get in late and then you've got a Sunday afternoon, like 2.30 game or something. Um, basically what we talk about is schedule losses, that there are some inconveniences that come with that. Uh, how do you view that that particular critique?
5: Uh, it's quantitatively mostly a myth. Uh, there, there's, no, there's no mathematical correlation between travel, back to backs, schedule density, any of that, and national TV appearances. Um, just just take this year, for example, the, the, the two you highlight at the top, so the Golden State uh, with the most TV appearances, is tied for the most back-to-backs in the league with 15. Uh, the Lakers, with the second most TV appearances, are tied for the fewest back-to-backs in the league with 12. Uh, and I could go on down the list, and, and you'd sort of see that there's there's just really no connection there. It may appear that way because those national games stand out on a team schedule, and they see their travel in the surrounding periods, and it may look difficult. But every team has some periods that look difficult. They're just not highlighted by those national games. So uh, I think more myth than reality in that case.
3: Schedule losses are a thing, though, right? Yeah. No?
5: Schedule, statistically, that doesn't hold up either? The, 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 so, so essentially, having eradicated four games in five nights, uh, which had a the, the, the highest uh, statistical impact on teams' winning percentages, the only thing that has a meaningful, and I say statistically meaningful, mathematical impact on a team's winning probability is playing on back-to-back when your opponent is not playing on back-to-back. That impact is 5%. So if our uh, traditional home court advantage is call it roughly 55-45 in favor of the home team, that 55 can go up to 60 in a case where the road team is the one on back-to-back, and it can go down to 50 in the case where the home team is the one on back-to-back. So if a team wants to call a 5% higher or lower chance of winning a game, a schedule loss or a schedule win, they are welcome to do so. Uh, I would question that interpretation of the math. Okay, fair.
3: Um, All right, let's get to the highlights uh, when you guys get to brag about all the cool new shit you did with the schedule and and made it more streamlined and stuff. Um, But actually, let's start with the the Election Day one, because I think this is is fantastic. Um, First time ever, no games on Election Day, November 8th. Uh, All 30 teams will play Monday, November 7th. congratulations guys the nba has now done more than congress to encourage voter participation uh it should be a federal holiday uh i look forward to you guys uh now convincing congress to follow suit um sometime soon um also the nba is going to be promoting voter participation promotional stuff i think that that week and on during the monday games right the day the day ahead um so that's cool um but in, in terms of your department uh Travel mileage, down to an average of about 41,000 miles per team, a record low in the era with 30 teams in 82 games, and a reduction of 2,000 miles, give or take, per team from last season, which was also a record low at 43,000, so now down to 41,000. And cumulatively, league-wide, 50,000 fewer miles uh, traveled. Um, I'm sure there's some uh, you know, nice uh, gas and carbon footprint uh, part attached to that too that that you could probably tell me uh how do you guys do this how can you possibly keep ratcheting it down is this sorcery is it the hamsters on wheels and their excel spreadsheets like how did you possibly get it down to to this uh, lowest number
6: you know I, i just want to give a shout out gene mentioned and evan mentioned before pat harrell who uh is the one who really runs the optimizer and he's the person who's
3: is the optimizer software by the way what is the optimizer? like i i just I'm, I'm imagining this big old school like computer bank with the big reels like from like in the 60s sci-fi movies like there's some dude like talking to the optimizer and he's speaking and there's a light blink.
6: Yeah we're not allowed to watch Pat actually run the optimizer but we know that his work is what has driven this was his focus on this and being able to really make a significant impact because we made it a priority to try and do this. So
3: was this is this just a matter of trying to make it easier on teams? I mean, you guys are always trying to like alleviate some of the fatigue issues and sleep uh, issues and all that, but is it also a carbon footprint thing?
5: Yeah, a- absolutely. So I, I think each, each thing that you highlighted uh, comes from discussion with all of our various stakeholders, right? So so the the election day. Uh, an election eve, if you will, plan came out of conversations with our uh, National Basketball Social Justice Coalition, which was formed uh, uh, two years ago. It came out of conversations with our Players Association that, hey, we can really support um, our voting initiatives, our civic engagement um, by taking off on Election Day. and, And then, hey, that creates an opportunity then to celebrate Election Day by having everyone play the night before, because we're trying to avoid back-to-back, so if everyone's off on a day, by definition, a lot of teams are going to be playing the night before and night after, so we can lean in and have all 30 playing and support um, support that, that promotion of voter participation. So that was a new element that creates complexity. Uh, the, the travel miles, absolutely a sustainability element. So uh, I don't have an exact carbon footprint number, but 50,000 miles is twice the circumference of the earth. So we've saved uh, so two uh, two trips around the planet with that, and, and that's, that clearly has... Um, an environmental impact, as well as a, a not just a player health impact, but a quality of basketball impact. We know that you know, teams are going to perform better um, when they're not traveling. And so that was something that, in addition to the advancements in the computer optimization, the software space, um, that was really unlocked by one of the new features during our pandemic schedules, which were the, the series model, right, where team A plays at team B, for two consecutive games, which historically had been something we avoided. And we talked about this last year for team business reasons. Um, but we had to do it during the pandemic because we were trying to limit the number of flights teams were taking. We've really leaned into that. So we had 23 of those so-called series on the schedule last season. We'll have 55 uh, on this season's schedule. And so that's 55 instances where teams don't have to fly to play a road game because they're already in the market. We have another 30-something instances of teams playing Lakers and Clippers consecutively or Knicks and Nets consecutively. And so that's just cutting down the number of flights, which in turn cuts down the number of miles because now you're not making a second trip back to those markets to play those games. And so that is what has enabled us to accomplish those things um, over time as we've sort of squeezed as much as we can out of the lemon in terms of the, the power of optimization. And I'll mention this again just
3: for historical purposes because people might say, well, why didn't you always have teams play both L.A. teams and both New York teams when they were there? Um, And, of course, part of that might have to do with whether or not one of those teams themselves are are, are traveling, but it was also conventional wisdom – not that long ago, within the last maybe 10 years, but certainly for a long time, the conventional wisdom was you want a team to go to the market twice in case one time during the year their guy was hurt or something, their biggest star was hurt. If it were back in the day, Michael Jordan going to New York, you want to go to New York and New Jersey at different times of the year because what if Michael was was hurt or something along those lines? And so that was why, as I understood it, was explained to me years ago, why it wasn't standard practice. Um, and you guys have, have kind of Change that that thinking and in and, and, and and, and the goal of of making things a little easier. I'm yeah, because sure. I mean,
5: that, that comes back to Tom's you know uh, 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 typical line, which is everyone plays forty one home, forty one away, right? So if if a star is unfortunately injured for an away game in one market, it means he's available for somewhere else later or earlier in the year, and so uh, without putting preferential treatment on the markets that happen to have two teams. We wanted to make it easier on the on the road teams for their travel.
3: And I think I probably asked you guys this last year and I'll just a couple more before that you go. But um in terms of the two game series of which there are fifty five instances this season, have, have teams generally warmed to that? The idea of playing the same team in the same city twice in a row in terms of, you know, there's, there's obviously strategic elements to that. And again, if one of their best guys is hurt, now you're playing your rival potentially twice with your best player. I mean, again, I know 41 home, 41 away, it all sort of comes out in the wash. But have teams
5: warmed to this? Absolutely. I, I have not heard um, really any negative feedback from the basketball side of our teams. And in fact, we knew that it would create this – Travel benefit. That that's just the obvious piece of it. Uh what we didn't know was how teams would feel strategically, and in fact, almost unanimously teams have said they actually, especially contending teams, have appreciated uh the opportunity to play in these series because it it in some way mirrors playoffs in that you're there's uh preparation for that first game, there's adjustments after that first game. So they think it's a good prep for playoff series where you're adjusting to your opponent throughout a series Um, And so, in particular, contending teams have said that they like that element. The surprising part has been that teams even seem to appreciate hosting these series, right? It was was always obvious to us, or at least seemed to be, that teams would value being the road team in the series because their travel is improved. But teams have also said we actually value getting to play the same team twice at home for some of these other strategic reasons. So I think it's been a a large success and, and you know, pending how the feedback goes this year, will continue to expand.
3: And I'll just add real quick, because we discussed this last year, I think, but again, conventional wisdom changed. Conventional wisdom used to be for marketing purposes, business purposes, ticket sales purposes, that teams would say, well, we don't want two games in a row at home, especially in the middle of the week, because it's hard to get people to, to commit to coming out two nights in a row and sales will drop on the second night or something, or they'll pick one or the other or whatever. And it, again, it, it seems like from your experience so far, the last couple of years, that that has not been a detriment on the business side.
5: Yeah. It will, just to be clear, not all of these are necessarily back-to-back games, right? So it might be a Monday sure. and a Wednesday or a Friday and a sure. Sunday or whatever, but, uh but we, we, did the analysis, our team marketing and business operations group, uh, which is you know, a really, really deep data science group that we have, did the analysis, at least on the small sample size that we've gotten now from a few years, um, and hasn't seen any significant detriment to, to ticket sales, attendance, viewership, those types of things by virtue of playing the consecutive games. So we'll continue to monitor that. And if we ever found that it, it was having an impact there, maybe we'd have to look you know, at, a, at a, a balancing or mitigation strategy. But so far, it seems, seems to be working on all, all dimensions.
3: Uh, A couple other highlights uh, from this year's schedule. So there's a Rivals Week, January 23rd, all week. Um, These are national games featuring – I'm going to put rivals in like air quotes just because I feel like today's NBA is not – the rivalries aren't quite what they were in the past, but there's some like – these are good, like Boston and Miami playing each other, the two L.A. teams playing each other, the two New York teams playing each other, L.A. and Boston, obviously, you know, uh, traditional uh, reasons there, Brooklyn and Philly playing each other. Uh, Memphis and the Warriors again, simmering kind of new rivalry where they can all accuse each other of various things regarding injuries and foul play um, so that 's fun um, and, and I, I I imagine on some level you know i like I note like i I think most people would agree like the rivalries aren 't quite what they were as in in previous decades where teams were together longer and there was more time for these things to to build up but does this do you, is there a a little bit of a thought of helping kind of stoke this too by, by or or just kind of give it some a little bit of a of a nudge.
5: Yeah, I, I would I would say not necessarily that we don't have the same rivalries, just that they aren't the same rivalries year to year. That you don't have the same two teams over a 5-year stretch. Sure. That you maybe have a little bit more of these fleeting rivalries and so we're trying to capture that that at the moment where that flame, the rivalry flame, flame is the strongest. So Memphis and Golden State at this moment that is a that is a rivalry, you know, we we think is worth featuring. Three years from now, it may not be, and that's fine. But if we can lean into it this year, Philly-Brooklyn coming off of, you know, the trade last year, Harden and and Simmons playing their former teams. Uh, We have Memphis and Minnesota playing a a playoff rematch. So, you know, yes, the Lakers-Celtics is that traditional rivalry, but we feel like we can lean into some of these um, uh, point-in-time tensions that we have and, and, and maybe build some interest from the teams and fans.
3: Um, back-to-backs, you guys have already optimized so much that there's no more optimization to be done. It seems you're down to 13.3 on average back-to-backs per team, down from 13.5, so not, not a lot. There's nothing left to trim there, I guess. Um, but it is down an average of six back-to-backs per team since 2014-15. Back then it was an average of 19.3 per team, now 13.3. So um, you guys have maxed this out, right?
5: Like there's no more... Uh, to, streaming streamlining to be done uh, not only that we we could for example expand the footprint of our season right if you played all year round yeah, please don't you, yeah right <laughs> I, I, I need i need my summers off. <laughs> agree right um <laughs> I'm not sure we'd want to. And so, so for example, one thing we've heard uh, on our relentless crusade to reduce back-to-backs is that by definition, when you reduce back-to-backs, you are also reducing the number of instances where teams have two or three consecutive days off because the season is only so many days. And so if you're going to play every other day, that means you never have those, those two or three day breaks. And, those are typically when teams recharge, when they act, hold real practices as opposed to just uh, walkthroughs and shoot-arounds. And so teams have told us, like, we don't maybe want a, se- a schedule with 10 back-to-backs on it and rare, if any, instances of two days off. And so I think collectively we feel we're at the right level uh, of back-to-back, given our current footprint and our 82-game schedule. Of course, those things are always subject to change, but there's, there's not much more we can do on that front. I didn't-
3: um, I didn't have the range uh, in front of me. What's the range of most to least numbers? Twelve, 12 to fifteen. Twelve to fifteen. So that, even that's a pretty tight range now.
5: We've, yeah, we've, we've sort of that range has been three from top to bottom for several years now. It's been a, a real big focus of us of, of our team is to, to make sure that we're putting out the most competitively fair schedule we can.
3: And after all of that's done, are the teams with fifteen back to backs still complaining that they're not one of the teams with the twelve back to backs? Absolutely. <laughs> There's always something to complain about. That's the beauty of it. Uh, final day of the season, all 30 teams will play again. I think last season was the first time doing that, correct?
5: I believe so. Uh, and and not only that, this year what, what we did is uh, we've – aggregated the start times for those games, which you may recall last year were, were two TBD at, at the time of the schedule release. And what we have is essentially all the Eastern Conference teams playing at 1 o'clock, all the Western Conference teams playing at 3.30, and then the one cross-conference matchup at 1 o'clock. The reason for that is we saw, we knew this would happen um, when you guess ahead of time where teams are going to be, but when you look at playoff races down the stretch, right? So we had a race in the East for one through four. We had the play-in races. We had the race in the West for the play-in. There's a strategic advantage that can sometimes exist if a team is playing later than some other team who they are in a, um, a race with. And so, you know, you see, see it in World Cups that the last day of group stage, everyone plays at the same time. So no one has the advantage of playing later and seeing the result and being able to manipulate their seating. And so we felt it was important competitively uh, to try to mitigate that by having all East at the same time and all West at the same time.
3: That one, I'm sure, is universally embraced, right? The teams, I'm, I would guess, all love that feature. Yes. <laughs> it's nice sometimes when you guys no the tops no, no. Once they, we, they might not like ex- the times once yes. we
6: explained it clearly that that was the yeah, reason yeah. then they understood it but otherwise it was like why can't we play at night why can't we play when we want to play and we tried to explain that from a competitive balance and fairness standpoint then it's fine
3: yeah that one seems like it should be easy for everybody to embrace uh awesome uh Guys, this has all been great. I love the information as always. The fans love the information. As I say, this is always a very popular episode of the pod, so thank you all. Did we miss anything? Did I Was there any great, fun, new feature of the schedule that I possibly could have missed uh, over the course of the last 50-something minutes? <laughs>
4: We can talk more Christmas.
3: Uh, no, more Christmas. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I might
5: have Actually, Christmas Gene through. figured out how to create a second Christmas while we've been sitting yeah, here. Exactly, so, exactly, exactly. Ten more games. Listen,
3: a lot of people would absolutely let li- you. Look, you, you fixed election day. You've got uh, NBA teams off Careful on election day.
6: There. Careful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
3: They're going to open have, a whole new conspiracy. Oh, my theory God, wing. Yeah. Um, I strike that from the record. Um, no, I mean, like, this is great. Like, uh, if, if you can, you've made election day um nba free so that everybody can get to the polls and not have to worry about uh working at an nba game watching an nba game uh congress again take note if you guys could add a second christmas you would be the most popular people like literally on earth kids would be would be singing your praises they you're it would be you know the candy canes would just be flowing it would be phenomenal more christmases i think who could possibly be against that except uh the Grinch, I guess, and his army of Grinches, who will now have to double up their efforts. I don't know. I'm off the rails. Uh, Gene Lee, Evan Wash, Tom Corelli Thank you all for the time. As always, this has been a blast. Um, appreciate all the information. And uh, next time, my only wish for the next time we do this, I need to meet the optimizer. Can we get the optimizer to come in? Do I need special like security clearances? Is there an FBI background check? I, I, I just I feel like I need to meet the optimizer.
5: He's listening to you right now. <laughs>
6: We have, we have a year to try and get you cleared. <laughs>
3: Appreciate that. All right, thanks, fellas. Thanks, Howard. Thanks, Thank
5: Howard.
3: you. Okay, that's it for today's show. My thanks again to Evan Wash, Tom Corelli, and Gene Lee. Thanks again to Jim LaBombard and Tim Frank and NBA PR for the assistance. And thanks to our friends at NBA Entertainment in beautiful Secaucus, New Jersey for hosting and for some last-minute tech support. Thanks, as always, to our producer, Shelby Royston, and thank you all for listening. Remember, you can hear Chris Maddox and me every Tuesday on The Crossover with all the latest NBA chatter. And then on Fridays, it's me and a guest. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to The Crossover wherever you get your podcasts. And hit me with all your feedback on Twitter, at Howard Beck.
0: Zumo Zumo Play.